Thank you for tuning in. You're watching Burnham Podcast on Rumble or maybe on YouTube. Of course, you could be listening to it anywhere that you find a podcast. Wherever you are, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. So there's a guy in our community, pretty valuable dude. He roofs houses. He tells people about Jesus. He helps people with drug recovery and homelessness and all sorts of other issues. His name's TK Hamilton. That's who we're talking to in this episode. Welcome to Burnham Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Burnham. We like to pretend sometimes. <laughs> we are not in Hollywood. See, there's a light right there. But we are here with Mr. TK Hamilton. Man, it's good to get you on. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Yeah. We have been kind of like Rocky over here. We've been friends on Facebook, I guess, for some time now. Yeah, I don't. And you said we met years. once upon a time, but I don't yeah, necessarily we've met somewhere. remember. Somewhere. I'm sure we have. Church meeting or something. Something. Now, I got to interview Claudia one time. For a yeah. different project I was working on. Yeah, that's a, that's that's fun. that's been recently, man. A few months. It's been no, it's been a couple what, of years year? now. Mm. I'm sure she gets interviewed all the time too. She's got a million things going on, and so you guys are. We were talking just a second right before the light came on about you, your local legendary status, right? You're into yeah. <laughs> you guys are y'all are into all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think most. Famously, if we can use that word, you are the owner of Midian Roofing. Yep. So Midian's a little different than other companies. I've never worked for you, but I know a lot of folks that have, and I've followed you guys on Facebook, yeah. and you guys look like you operate differently from just about any company I've ever seen before. What, what's different about Midian? Well, it's kind of a long story. How long we got on this podcast? We got as long as you got. Um, the story of Midian started probably i don't know this is my fourth business a lot of people don't know that mm-hmm. it's actually my fifth or sixth but my fourth in a row i started other businesses after that but <clears throat> i say back in uh 1998 98 yeah it was 98 i was in a business i had a roofing business that um it was my third roofing business at the time, but my first roofing business, I had a partner, and um, we were just partying and drinking and doing drugs and fighting and carrying on and bars, and um, I messed around and invited God into my life mm. and asked Jesus in my heart, and... <clears throat> All of a sudden, all that stuff wasn't as fun anymore. Yeah. And something inside of me said, I need to do something different. So I wound up walking away from that business. Um, God gave me some wisdom in that deal where I asked him, did he want all the tools or did he want the phone number? And he said, I'll take all the tools. We didn't have a ton, but, you know, we had a truck and riders and walk boards and things like that. Well, I knew that number I could – drum up more business you know i'd get more business later on well after we split up i started back out on my own um and i would call all the clients and say hey you know we're not tnt roofing anymore we're image roofing and you have any warranty issues just call us you know and and that rocked on for about a year or two that that wasn't in 98 that was all the way back in 91 Mm -hmm. that happened and then 92 or 93 somewhere around in in there is when i started image roofing and then you know i i i do a lot of uh teaching on um sobriety and how you combine sobriety and and jesus and relationship and um you know there's a lot of people in jail that's got jesus in their heart yeah a lot of people with problems got jesus in the heart and i try to explain to them how it works you know because I wound up going to prison after I accepted Christ in my heart. It didn't make any sense. I was, you know, and it was like a lifelong question. You know, yeah. like what happened? I thought this Jesus guy was supposed to fix all this stuff. <laughs> so no more know? problems when you find yeah. Jesus, right? Yeah, and uh, 
Anyway, I went and done my little stint, and I got out and started my image roofing back up and worked, um, work, you know, had a client list and made sure everybody had my number, made sure nobody had any problems, and I uh, paid off all the debt that I had incurred while I was away. And um, I had worked like 50 or 60 hours, sometimes 70, 80 hours, for the last two, three years, and I was broke. Yeah. I mean, I just couldn't figure out the business end of the deal. I worked hard and did good work, and I was uh, messing around at church one day um, at West Rome Baptist, and they were doing a class called Experiencing God. Henry Blackaby. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I started going through that book, and for some odd reason, God was like, talking to me like in every chapter yeah and i knew he was talking to me and i'd go to this class and i'd be telling them what god's saying and they'd be like no no he's not saying that he, he you know and, and i mean just like and i understand that i was different i mean i was kind of like a wild animal I had real long hair had clothes you know holes all in my clothes i probably smelled like cigarettes and marijuana some most days (laughs) and uh i think i yeah i was struggling i was still struggling with marijuana then but i was still talking to me yeah and um i was like i went to this class and i I said man god's talking to me and god's telling me this and this and this and they just kept on saying you know disagreeing with me and i said you know i don't know if it's me or y'all or the devil but something's wrong in this class. I said, because every time I say something, y'all are disagreeing with me. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And they said, they started in again. No, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. I walked outside of that classroom, and God whispered in my ear. He said, I'm really talking to you, and it's going to be okay. Hmm. And I never went back to that class again. It wasn't necessarily just because of the people. It was because I was really trying to figure out what God wanted for my life and and what he was saying. So I continued to go through the book, and he was using the story of uh, Moses leading the children of Israel out of bondage. And, you know, the story goes, God's chosen people. He led them over to... um, Egypt to protect them in the beginning right? because there was a famine coming and he was trying to feed them and take care of them and along the way they forgot about God and they put him on the back burner and they became slaves yeah and what happens to us as humans when we put God on the back burner we become enslaved to oh, something ooh. and he started pouring the scripture out on me and he was talking to me about all this stuff and I felt like I was in bondage to roofing. Sure. Yeah. I had never, you know, I'd done it all my life but I didn't know that's what I was supposed to be doing. I really wasn't ever good at anything else. But I still didn't understand it because at that time 90% of everybody I knew was a drug addict or an alcoholic who was doing the business or ripping people off. Right. And I just didn't see any future in it. So... He started giving me scripture like the birds have nests, foxes have holes, son of man had nowhere to lay his head. Yeah. He was kind of saying like, trust me. And then he'd give me another one about, um, I think it's in Matthew. It's in two places. I think it's Matthew and Mark where he sent his disciples out two by two. And when he sent them out the first time, he said, if you got any extra clothes, don't take them. Yeah. Got any money? Don't take them. Don't take any extra shoes. And the first time I had read that, I thought Christians were destined to be poor. Yeah. yeah. I thought, you know, we got a lot of folks do. Impoverished life. Yeah. And I was okay with it because I've been poor all my life. So I'm like, hey, what's another rest of my life? You yeah. Know? And, uh, but if you go on to Mark, he tells the story again, but he sends them out. For a second time, and I'm sure it's probably the third or fourth time, but second time I read it. And he said, this time, before you go, you can take an extra float and take money with you. 
And he also said, if you don't have a staff, you take one of those with you. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what the staff is for. It's protect yourself. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be, you know, you always hear the scripture, turn your turn the other cheek, right? But that was implicating that somebody come messing with you, you could take care of it. Right. Because there was a lot of thieves along the road. And yeah. People yeah, traveling between towns was dangerous, yeah. And uh, I remember I was so excited when I read that. I ain't got to be broke. God's telling me it's okay mm. for me to make money. Yeah. He was telling me that. And I knew eventually if I stayed in the business long enough and figured it out, I could make money. But my fear was I would leave him. Mm. Once I, you had money? Yeah. Once yeah. I had money, I'd leave him. And I knew I knew the outcome. You know, being a drug addict or an alcoholic or, or, or whatever, I know the outcome every time. It's the same story. Yeah. You're going to jail or you're going to an institution – which they've done away with all the mental places. Yeah. So you're going to jail, you're going to die. And I didn't like that story. And I figured out with God, I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Pretty exciting. I mean, I know I'm, I got blessings coming. I know there's going to be trouble. And I know, but I'm going to be something better's coming. Yeah. So he used that and he used some other scripture and basically he was telling me, stop the business, get out of the business. And so I just said, okay, and I shut the business down. Sold all the stuff I had, called all my clients, gave them my new phone number. And I said, well, I'm going out of business, but here's my phone number. You can still call me. Yeah. Right down the road, if you have a leak, call me. I'm talking about for the last four years. You can call me. I'll come take care of it. And um, it's kind of funny. I never wore a suit my entire life. <laughs> I wouldn't wear one to church. I wasn't doing. I was doing all kind of different things. And I thought I'm gonna get a job. I hop. I'm gonna be a waiter. And one of their requirements is to wear a tie. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna go to I hop. So I walk over to I hop that day, get my job, got my tie on. And I, I'm, the Lord's been talking to me, and he's talking to me on the way into the building. And he's like, dude, you ain't never even more tied to church. You're wearing a tie to hop. <laughs> and uh, I walk in, meet the manager, and say, buddy, I'm sorry. Um, I wasted your time. I'm not supposed to work here. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, okay. Good to meet you. Oh, man, and I yeah. said, well, I'll see you later. And I took my tie off, and I left from there, and I walked, started walking to the shady part of town and mm-hmm. um, South Rome is what I called shady part of town back then. And through the, um, housing, uh, what do they call it? Now? The project back then, but yeah, housing authority, authority. Now. Yeah. But just started witnessing people about Jesus and just telling them, you know, anything I could say, you know, because yeah. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing, but I knew it wasn't hot. <clears throat> and I went to college I signed up for college and went to college and you know it's gonna be so many things. And I tell people, man, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, have fun. Yeah, have you might fun, as well. <laughs> and I tell them, you know, I started going to college and I was gonna be a school teacher one time. I was gonna be a psychologist one time. Mm-hmm. I was gonna be an industrial psychologist. I was gonna be a white country rapper one time. I should have <laughs> I should have followed through with should've that because that. all I needed yeah. was one song. <laughs> One song is all I needed. And uh, golly, I was going to be so many things. And I kept taking those aptitude tests in college, and it kept saying construction. I'm like, man, that's what I'm going to college for, to get out of construction, out man. Of yeah. And <clears throat> two years, they went by, and I did all kind of things. I was going to be an electrician. Uh, I, I pursued that and helped wire in the Circuit City and model uh, middle school, I think was my last electrical stuff and I was pursuing a job at uh Bell South was the name of that back then mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I'd went and took their entrance exam and they said I'd just passed it like better than the last 200 people that had taken it and I thought man this is where God wants me at man, yeah. this is what I'm supposed to be doing like I said two years it went by and we started going through this experience in God book again at church and I have a real bad habit <clears throat> I still do to this day. It's not as bad, but when God tells me something, I'll take off running as fast as I can <laughs> yeah. toward that. Yeah. 
But I won't slow down and listen to the details along the way. Right, yeah. Until I hit another wall and then go, oh, 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 okay. I was supposed to turn left right here, right? <laughs> and, and and I just have fun with it, man. And when I was going back through the book, same story. Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. But this time when I got to the part where he told Moses to go back, that two-letter word, I mean, it just pierced my entire body. He's like, it's time for you to go back. I'm like, no, that's the devil. <laughs> I was like, that is the devil. I'm not going back. You're not tricking me in this, yeah. with this scripture. And then he started pouring more scripture out on me. And I won't put all the details in the in the podcast because I, I, I published it in the book and um, that I wrote. Um, it's called Rewrite, R-I-G-H-T, Rewrite. God wants to rewrite our lives. And he also wants to re-W-R-I-T our life. Yeah. And uh, play on words. Sure, yeah. Life rewritten by God is the undertone of that. And um, I was also reading a story of um, Gideon. Yeah. I was doing Experiencing God book on Sundays, and we were doing the story of Gideon on Wednesdays at church. And for people who don't know, Gideon was a prophet, right? Right. And God was talking to him and telling him, hey, I want you to go destroy the enemy, but I don't want you to take all the resources you have. He had like 10,000 soldiers. And he said, you got it down. I won't tell you the whole story, but you know the story. He got it down to like 300 men. Yeah. And, you know, that was blowing his mind. He was like, 300 men, you want me to go against this army of, I forgot, what was it, 40,000 uh, 40, 40, people? Yeah. And uh, he's like, all right, God, <laughs> I'm going to ask for a sign. And I don't recommend asking God for a sign every single time. You know, early on, it's okay, I think. And, yeah. and, and later on in life, because God wants to make himself clear to you. And he, uh, he said, God, I'm going to lay this fleece out in the morning. And he said, if you're talking to me and it's really you, I want this fleece to be, the first time I think, dry and the ground be wet. Yeah. And he woke up the next morning, the fleece was dry and the ground was wet. He's like, okay, God, I'm not sure, but. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's and, exactly what I asked for. Right, yeah. it, word for word. So yeah. he said, in the morning, let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. Okay. Next day he gets up, fleece is wet, ground's dry. Like, okay, God. But I got to make sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I need one more sign, and he said, "I need you to ease down to the camp tonight and listen." So he, he snuck down to the the enemy's camp, and he overheard them talking, and they were all scared to death. <laughs> like Gideon's coming to get us. The whole army of God's coming to get us. They're gonna kill us, and they were scared to death. <clears throat> so that gave him the confidence to know that he was gonna win. Yeah. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to lay out a fleece. And um, I said, if, you know, I forgot what was the first one I asked him. It's in the book. If you ever want to know every detail. But um, I had a roofing hatchet. If you don't know what that is, what you nail shingles on with. Mm-hmm. I had found it on a build on an old house. I was on top of looking at uh, stars one night, and it was broke. And I'd already taken it to Home Depot, and they wouldn't replace it. It's supposed to have a lifetime warranty on it. So I said, God, I want you to get this hatchet replaced for me. And I wrote a letter to Eastwing, the manufacturer. And I don't even think it was a few days, not even a week, they sent back and said, hey, that thing's under warranty. Take it to your local uh, store, and they'll replace it. Okay, so I went up to Home Depot. And they said, all right, no problem. Give me a brand-new hatchet. That was fleece number one. <laughs> and by then, I was already sold. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember if I asked for a number two or three. I'm trying to think. I'm getting kind of old, and I forget stuff. That's so why I write all this stuff down. Right. So I can, you know, the devil's always trying to steal my <clears throat> thoughts and my words and, and all the actions that God's done in my life. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> long story short, I said, God, I think we're going to do this. Because, I mean, it was inside of me. You know, um, I'm pretty sure 
they asked Moses what he was doing and why he was going back or why he left, and he said, all I can tell you is I've been compelled. Yeah. And I was being compelled. I mean, I couldn't do anything different, honestly. I didn't really need a whole lot of signs. And um, I quit my. I went to my boss who was taking me under his wing, trying to teach me all about electrical work. I said, man, I'm quitting. He's like, no, you can't quit. I said, yeah, I'm quitting. And that was on a Tuesday. I went to a bank on Wednesday. The Holy Spirit had already been working on me. I'd been looking at this old truck on the side of the road old dump truck yeah. um, on the side of the road for weeks. Every time I drove by a shorter industrial, I'd look at this old thing, weeds growing up around it. And uh, I went to a bank on Wednesday, never made a bank loan in my entire life, and said, I need to buy a truck. And it wasn't much. It was like $2,500. And, you know, I told you when I had gotten out of prison, I'd started working on all my debts. Yeah. And I had debts from before I was old enough to get debts that my parents put in my name. And uh, Thursday, I went and bought that truck. And Friday, Thursday night, a man called me out of the blue. It was my very first client from my very first roofing business, Lewis Hewitt. And said, hey, man, I need you to come over here and roof my house tomorrow. tomorrow. That was on a Friday. Okay. So Friday, I quit my job on Tuesday. Friday, I was driving a truck and roofing the house like that Friday. <laughs> And, you know, I said, God, I need you to be in control of this thing. This is my fourth deal. Yeah. I'm a ninth grade dropout, recovering drug addict. I still don't know my multiplication tables. Can't speak English very well. (laughs) (laughs) I need you to take over. I'm not that smart. And I said, I need you to give me the name. And Midian popped in my head because when Moses left Egypt the first time, that's where he went. He went to the land of Midian. Yeah. And in the land of Midian, he found out who he was, found out what he was supposed to be doing, and then he went back to free the slaves. And Midian has not only tried to be a company, but it's try, I've tried to make a ministry out of it the entire time uh, by mentoring young men and trying to teach them about God and life in general if they had drug problems, how you know, I'd give them all the tools they needed to be a man and, right. and overcome the flesh. And uh, that's the short version of where Midian Roofing come from. So you I had a guy, uh, James Manning, was on here last week. He's uh, been a cop forever. Felt like mm-hmm. he was called right. to be a cop, and people can relate to that. Um, I'm called to be a pastor. People don't think about being called to start a roofing company. No, but nobody how, ever. Yeah, right? You're <laughs> called to this job that like people, a lot of people get into that because they don't feel like they can do anything else. That's exactly right. And maybe that's true, but how much more is there to your roofing business, right? And them air quotes for the audio only people. Um, you're talking about a whole ministry here mm-hmm. on top of putting roofs on people's houses and and doing fair business with people and not yes. ripping folks off and, you know, and all those things. Um, and you're talking about equipping younger men. I know men who have worked for you mm-hmm. and then gone off and starting their own roofing companies in different locations and things. And yep. like I said, I see you guys on Facebook and it's different. It's obvious there's something different going on. Um, how receptive are people coming into your company to this Jesus business that you're talking about? Well, I think the, People who are not receptive, or there's only two ways they're coming: is that they don't know anything about it, right? Or if they really want what we got going on, okay? Because they, there's been rumors for 20 years that from all the local roofing companies and all the competitors and people who work there that don't go over there and go to work because he's going to drug test you every day, he's going to make you go to church every day, he's going to make you read the Bible every morning, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So, and I don't force any of it on any of them. Right. But I offer the opportunities, I put myself out there, I share with them, and, you know, try to coach them. And in the early days, I did a lot better job at it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was out there on the battle lines with them and every day, you know, they heard it every day, fire by day, fire by night. Yeah. 
100 degrees outside and we're still going, cloud comes over and I start talking to him about the scripture, how he took care of the children of Israel when they was in the desert. And they're stuck up on the roof where they can't get away. They got to listen. No. <laughs> There's been at least one instance where my entire crew accepted Christ in their heart. Really? Like six of them. I'm like, hey, we go down here in the garage in the shade if y'all want to get Jesus in your heart. Every, <laughs> every, single, <laughs> every single one of them. That's like the story of the guy oh, yeah, driving, the, driving the church bus and wouldn't let anybody off until they accepted Jesus. You know? <laughs> it's the easiest way out at this point. I'll say whatever I got to say. We have quite a few success stories. Yeah. We have people that we lost and people who didn't make it. And, yeah. You know, we're looking for that one, that two. You know, we're looking for the one in the 99. Right. And we're going to plant all the seeds we can along the way. Well, at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to do all these good things and you're having some success there. But at the end of the day, if Midian's not making money, you don't get to do those things anymore. No. So people come and go and that's, you know, that's the nature of business. I just, I've noticed that you're, Business doesn't always necessarily follow the nature of business because it oh. seems like you love your people. Oh, yeah. You know, your folks that work. And we're going to do, and it's going to be an hour-long median roofing infomercial here. But uh, well, we could change the subject. You know, no, no, we're good. We're good. We could talk about living proof or next door. Or, you know, we're starting a men's uh, reentry program. Yeah, I was hoping to get around to all these things that yeah. you mentioned. I've been doing my homework. So yeah, I was, okay. what? tell me about the men's ministry. Well, you know, uh, Claudia and I started uh, Living Proof back in 2017 or 18, somewhere around mm-hmm. here, 17 maybe. But we knew that that wasn't going to be her forever job when we right. started it. We knew God was doing something, and it just took off, and God took care of it. And she did that for like four years. And at the end, we started a program called Next Door. It's a reentry program for women. Right. It's like if you really want to get sober, you want to get off the street or whatever you want to do, you come into this program, you get your own case plan, and we'll give you the tools you need. You got to go to work. You got to pay some rent. Yeah. You know, you got to be a responsible, productive member of society, and we're going to coach you along. And you can stay there. I think the women's program is maximum of, 18 months or something yeah there's been some other circumstances where somebody's got to stay a couple of years i think but they were successful in what they were doing right and uh so claudia handed that off in uh 2020 i think uh right before covid right in the middle of covid um <clears throat> because we knew god was wanting us to do something different mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the devil was attacking us uh, our family at the time like i said i, I written a book and <clears throat> Holy Spirit poured this book out on me, the uh, rewrite, twenty three chapters, twenty three miracles, the scriptures God used to back the miracles up, evidence of the miracles, right. like documentation, photos. I gotta and, read this book, man. Um and then there's twenty three people that God used because when he does a miracle, he uses his word, he uses himself, hmm. and he uses other humans. Not every time, but some combination of that. Yeah. Humans in my story because um, the way I was raised, the ways I, the way I grew up, I didn't trust anybody. Right. All all the abuse and things that happened to me, and uh, he used humans to change my life. You know, and the, and the word, and the truth, and and uh, that's what the book's about. And it it uh, it ties in because people are, people's always like, damn, you know. In my mind, they're like, why is God always doing all this stuff for you? Why is he always so easy? I get myself in a big mess, and he has to get me out of it every time. So just go get yourself so in a mess. it always feels like he's working for me because I'm just trying to make it worse. Yeah, all and he shows up. And, yeah. But uh, it flashes back to my childhood and ties in how I've made some of these stupid decisions in my life is because I was messed up, you know, mentally. Yeah. And I was an angry kid and I was angry for a long time. And it's okay to be angry for all the stuff that happened to you. But at some point you got to turn it over to God and, and, and deal with the anger and the bitterness and the resentment, or you, it, it's just not going to get better for you. Right. And, um, but so we, so I wrote the book, launched it, launched on April Fool's Day of 2020, and then the whole world shut down. And then me and the wife started having all these problems, and um, <clears throat> the devil was just really attacking us. Yeah. And we made it through it. And <clears throat> there's no infidelity, no, nothing like that going on. But 
it was just very a rough time. And at first, I was like, God, I thought this was gonna go different. And I've been through this relationship with God long enough to know it's gonna be okay. But I have to go through this pain right now. Right. Embrace this pain because He says embrace it. Because I know there's a miracle coming on the other side of it. Yeah. And it's going to be better than ever. I mean, it's just going to, every time. Yeah. If you just don't quit five minutes before the miracle happens, just don't quit. It's going to get better. Don't turn your back on him. Yeah. Even if you can't trust him, if even if you can't talk to him, even if you're mad, and I always just say, help. Help me. Yeah. And it don't feel like a good place to be in, but that's one of the best places that's you could the, ever be in your entire life. It's the safest, yeah. And um, <clears throat> so we got through all that. Claudius did all these different things, and we've been looking at this men's. We knew we was going to do a men's reentry program <clears throat> for the last two or three years, but it wasn't the timing wasn't right. And so we took our savings two months ago. We've been looking at this building off and on for a year. Wasn't for sure, been praying through it, you know, where are we supposed to be? And this one kept coming up, kept coming up, kept coming up. So we put the money down on it and started asking people for help. And we're in the middle of a process right now of doing a remodel and things are getting done every day and money's coming and we're just going to watch him work. And if money quits coming, we'll stop until the money comes. Yeah. And uh, but it's a it's going to be a men's deal. It's going to be twelve men living here. They'll have curfews. They'll have drug testing. They'll have their own case program. We'll have case workers that's trying to help them figure out what they need. They're going to learn about Jesus. Period. When they come in this door, yeah, they don't like it. Go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Um, gonna have to get a job, and they're going to pay rent. And, and we're going to try to get them plugged in. And we'll take people off the street. We'll take people out of jail. We'll take people out of another shelter like Davis Shelter mm-hmm. as a 30-day deal. Maybe they're coming out of there, you know. We might take some of those guys. But pretty sure there's going to be a waiting list. And oh, I'm sure. Going, I mean, it's going to fill up fast. Yeah, that's going to be a big deal. And it's such a it's such an issue here locally that mm-hmm. we have with these men. And I, I would see them, you know, here on Broad Street all the time. Uh, and it's people that need something, mm-hmm. you know, and there's not, I think you said they shut down all the institutions and there's yeah. nowhere for these folks to go anymore. Nope. But you guys are going to give them something. We're going to make a small dent, you know, we figure if we can reach the men and if we can reach the men, we should be able to reach the whole family. Right. Should be able to impact the family, whether that's small or great somehow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, we're looking for the one who really wants help. Yeah. The one who wants to listen to what we have to offer. You know, we're, I'm never the guy who's just about giving somebody a handout. Right. Um, unless the Holy Spirit says, hey, give them $20, I'll just stop doing it. And I'll give them 20 bucks. The Holy Spirit's like, give them $5, you know. Because yeah. I don't know. I could give them that 5 bucks and be the last drink he ever takes. Or give him 5 bucks, he might die on that last drink. I don't know. I'm yeah. Not, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I, I struggle with. That I'm not big on the handout either. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are obviously in need. So you, there's a line that's drawn somewhere between giving somebody something for nothing and making sure they can get their next meal. You know, yep. and it's but there's there's not a lot of stuff for men out there. No, there's not um, probation. <laughs> You're right. You jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Salvation Army. There. Uh, that's overnight. Gotta get out by eight in the morning. Yeah, overnight. That's about it. I think they give you breathalyzers. Can't come in yeah, without calling so. your breath. Yeah, and then a Davis shelter, and that, that's thirty days. Yeah. So doing something a little different, and you know, I'd like to do ten of them, but oh yeah, it's up to Holy Spirit and God. One you may, that. and that may be something that that churches get together and team up on, because there are a lot of churches that do a lot of things. Um, but I don't think anybody has this, this comprehensive ministry like what you're talking mm. about. And maybe you get so with pastor friends, hint, hint, hit well, TK I've, up. And, I've looked, I've talked to uh, uh, quite a few. I hope they don't get mad at me, but Westron Baptist has offered to step up and help. Uh, Church at Northside, 
uh, has offered to step up and help. And I think uh, PVN, Pleasant Valley North, yeah. has talked about helping. Um, we've reached out to four or five other ones, and we're going to continue to reach out. Yeah. You know, if everybody throws in a little bit every month, because, you know, it's going ongoing operational right. expense. Um, we're not asking the money for any uh, money. We're not asking the government for any money um, on no. this one just because um, it's not what God's told us to do, so we're not doing it. Right. You know, might, might do that later on. I don't know, but I believe the more you get the community involved, the more people will take ownership and want to come alongside of some of these men, you know, yeah. and get them plugged into these different churches because I don't, have a corner on Jesus and I don't care where they go as long as they go somewhere. Exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. If they come to my church, if not, I'm happy they go to somebody's, yep. you know, and that's not anything for us to fight over. And we do that sometimes. And it's kind of silly. Yeah. You know, you think, Our ego gets in the way. Yeah. Pride. We want ownership. Well, Been there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but part of what we do as men, I guess, is have an ego and, feel like we need to win or whatever that looks like, as opposed to just carrying out the mission of the kingdom, yep. which is what sounds like you guys are trying to do. Well, that's what I have to do. Yeah. Well, you used to talk about being compelled earlier, right? When you're compelled, then it means you don't have a choice. It's something you got to do. I have to do it or I don't get to keep what I have. Mm. Because I still have a flesh. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't continue to listen to the God and the Holy Spirit and allow him to direct my life, I will go back to the old man. Right. I don't want to be the old man. Because when you go back to the old man, it don't get better. It never gets better. Mm. The Bible clearly says, if I come to your house, I find it clean and swept. Not God, but to the Demons will come to your house, and if they find it clean and swept, they leave. Yeah. And they're looking for other places to go. But they're coming back. And when they come back, if your house ain't clean and swept, he's going to take over, and it's going to be seven times worse. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that. Yeah. I experienced that early on in my Christian walk when I went to prison. I think God wasn't working fast enough. He wasn't getting me straightened out fast enough, so I just bailed. You know, I wasn't going to be a hypocrite. And there's another story about that in the book. And yeah. it's pretty exciting and dramatic. But, yeah. Well, let's talk about your book a little bit. It's <clears throat> called Rewrite. R-E-R-I-G-H-T. So what inspired you to rewrite, to write, hang on, <laughs> to write, rewrite? Well, it, 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 the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. I had all these stories that I knew God had done. And I think it was, for me, just as much as it is for anybody else because, you know, you heard the scripture um, about seeds falling by the wayside. Yeah. You know, seeds get planted in our lives, and they're going to fall on fertile ground when we're listening and we are have gotten rid of the garbage out that's blocking, which is the resentment in, in my book, and the bitterness and the anger. For me, that stuff right there is the poison. Yeah. It ain't the smoking or the drinking or the doing drugs or the sex or whatever. It's coming from there because I've blocked God out and I'm not dealing with it. And he's turned me over and he's allowing me to do whatever I want to do. Right. But if if I've repented, and I don't want to, I hate using the word repent because I feel like so many people use that word wrong. Um, If I have... Ask God, and as Paul said, transform me by the renewing of my mind. Tell me what the truth is. And I can't see the truth if I have resentment against my brother. Hmm. Says it right in the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Give me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Yeah. And some people can do that a lot easier. Some people read it and they understand it and they go, okay, hey, I'm sorry. Pray for this guy. Lord bless him. Yeah. If, you know, if you're raised in a, a, a rough environment when, when people's done that to you all your life, uh, it, you, you just have to be rewrote. You have to be rewritten. You have to be reborn, Yeah, as the scripture says. And um, 
I don't know where I was going with that, but oh, you're doing great though. <laughs> he, I, I, re, I wrote that because we said the seeds planted by the wayside, mm-hmm. um, the thorny places, the cares of this world, right? And that's the devil's number one job is to steal the truth from you. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That's where he tells you these lies all day long, every day, and makes you forget. He makes can you forget how bad it was in the wilderness. Yeah, he could talk you out of things that you absolutely know for certain. And that's mm-hmm. his job. I, my Chris Pyle one time said that, uh, said, devil never takes a break. Evil never rests. It's always coming at you. And it's especially when you're trying to do the right things. Yeah. You know, when you're trying to, love your neighbor and minister to these men or to your, your guys at work or, or whatever it is you're talking about and you're being faithful and you're doing these things. And that's when you're going to encounter, you know, those types of struggles, but you're proof that God will pull you through those struggles. I'll definitely do that. Yeah. And he had told me for a couple of years to write the book <clears throat> and then revelations <clears throat> where he tells, um, what's his name? Daniel. Mm-hmm. He says, "Put it, put this down in a book." Yeah, and yeah. I read through the Bible every year. Yeah, and every time I get to that, he's like, "Put this in a book." I'm like, uh, you're talking to me, man. You talking to Daniel? And then it's about yeah. the Bible. It's ain't yeah. about me. And, and uh, the second year, third year, he said it. I'm like, I don't have time to write no book. And I felt like he whispered in my ear. And he said, "Well, I can make time for you." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. No, sir. Uh, I'll get right on it. If you was to fall off a roof and break your leg, you'd have plenty of time, right? right. You better write that book. <laughs> so I wrote that book in like three months. I already had all the stories. Right. And I wrote it, and it took longer to get it edited and published than it did to write That's it. That's the longest part, yeah. yeah. So where can we find it? Uh, it's on Amazon. Okay. Rewrite. Like, you have to put the whole thing in there because I'm not that popular on Amazon yet. Uh, not yet. Um, but rewrite. Life rewritten by God, T.K. Hamilton, and it'll pop up. Okay, we'll put that in the the show uh, notes too when we put it on uh, YouTube. Um, we have them in our office. You can stop by and get one. We we mail out one to every client that we do a job for. Okay. Um, I think it's on um, what's that other uh, fire tat or whatever you can uh, Kindle. Yeah. Where you can just buy it digital, get it digitally. Um. I have a a website, Life Rewritten. You can just click on a link on there. There's a few places you can find it. Yeah. Uh, we put it in the store at Dirt down in Somerville. It's got a local uh, book author yeah. uh, shelf down here. Cool. So you can, you can buy it locally then. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Yeah. So what's next? Where are we headed next? I Man, mean, apart I, from your men's ministry. I feel like God's given me vision for a long time. I mean, it's just me. Um, after the men's thing, we want to do a women's night shelter. Mm-hmm. Which women's night shelter only, um, where a woman can come in, get off the street, don't have to rely on some man to have somewhere to sleep. Yeah, if she just, you know, even if she's on drugs, she can come in here and spend a night, but she's got to go the next day. Um, but if they won't help, we'll be able to get them plugged into the next door or women's outreach, or a battered women's shelter, or living proof, or whatever, but give them the tools right. to succeed in life if they want it. But to get them off the street at nighttime is the next goal, uh, Lord willing, yeah. after that. And to continue to grow Midian Roofing, Lord willing, um, to other areas and other branches. And... um you know, I think in my retirement, I want to do some kind of recovery ranch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My retirement is probably about 60 or 70, somewhere around there. Yeah. Another- That's just what I have in my mind. It's the visions I feel like the Lord's gave me. And uh, I feel like he's got a lot more for us to do. I feel like that. And, and I mean, you're, again, you're, you're proof of that. You could just go to work in roof houses every day mm-hmm. and pay your bills, and that would you know, the bare minimum, I guess I you know. could say, but but we got to do more than that. Yeah, and, he, and the beautiful thing is about it, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it comes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. 
If you know what he's saying, yeah, and you get on board with what he's saying, and that's what the Experience in God book always said, you figure yeah. out where he's at work at, you jump on that train. Get on yeah. board with that. Yeah. And it just explodes, man. It, it oh, just cannot man. fail if you figure out where he's at and you get involved with what he's doing. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. And it's, yeah, I guess you go where he's already moving instead of, standing somewhere waiting on him to move there and, and he might, but he's definitely moving in this other direction. Mm-hmm. So if you get on there, you can be part of that. Yeah, Cause there's a lot of good stuff you can get involved in. It's just good stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think we, it comes back to, to our ego and our pride. A lot of times when we're, I'm going to do this thing, whether or not, you know, God's actually compelling me to do that. And then we end up, you fail, you know, in, in that way so many times, cause it's not what God wants you to do. And we get past ourselves, right? We get so well, this is not about me. Ultimately, it's about God and it's about the kingdom and it's these things. And that hurts my ego a little bit, but it ain't about me. Yeah. I want to reiterate a ninth grade dropout, don't know my multiplication table, was abused in several different ways, was abandoned, I was left in empty houses. I'll say in one empty house clarify that because I can't uh, exaggerate and blow the story up bigger than it's supposed to be but I am not smart enough to do what I do Mm. clearly I am not and I want to reiterate that I learned a long time ago that if I really believe in the one who created all this stuff the earth and the stars and the galaxies. I when I was a kid they had like eight galaxies. You go type in galaxies, there's like a thousand of them crazy just (laughs) wild stuff. And if I really believe that he is who he is, my little problems is nothing. So if I plug into that energy source, Mm -hmm. there's just no limit to what a human being can do if they give him control. Yeah. And I give him control every single day of my life, more than once a day, because I keep wanting to take over. We'll take it back about lunchtime, right? Let me. Um, as soon as I hit the floor, you know, what am I going to get me to eat? What mm-hmm. am I going to get me to drink? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat for lunch? Who am I going to talk to today? Who da 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 da? On and on and on and on. Like, please, God, take over. Please don't leave me in the temptation because I'm going to fail. If I am tempted in certain areas, I'm going to fail. Yeah. That's why he told us to pray that way. Yeah. And my next book's going to be about the Lord's Prayer, by the way, whenever he. You better make time for that. Yeah. (laughs) Right now he's telling me to make time for Brother's Place. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're going to call it? Yeah. Brother's Place. Brother's Place. Apostrophe S. My wife come up with that name. My brother died two years ago. Mm. Long term drug addiction. Mm, I'm sorry. Drugs, man. alcohol. So it's named essentially after him. Yep. That'll be that'll be a good tribute, and it's going to do a lot of good things. What about you, man? How long have you been doing this church up here? We've been here since January of this year. We started meeting at the courtyard uh, Marriott across the river over here officially as a church in April of 21. Mm-hmm. We very first started gathering during COVID when everybody's church was shut down. Um, there were a group of us that understood, you know, Hebrews 10, 25 says you're just supposed to gather mm-hmm. and there's no ifs, ands, or buts, right? And there's, right. It, it doesn't say except, you know, unless there's a worldwide pandemic. Um <laughs> So this guy knew says, Hey, let's just get together at the foundry, you know, yeah. on the foundry over here on fifth Avenue. And we met there. They sell um, beer there, alcohol. They, they do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> backslide. I know it's awful. I get questions about that all the time. Um, but that was the space God allowed us that we didn't drink during the service. That's always the question we get. Did you drink after uh, service? No, you've not no. struck that off the didn't, record. Didn't do no. that either. <laughs> <laughs> But so we, we met there during COVID and then eventually we go back to our churches and uh, we kind of started talking again, that same group. And we were like, Hey, that thing we were doing was kind of cool. Like, let's talk mm-hmm. about what that was and, and what we could do with it. Um, and so that was 
January, February of 21. And then by April, we decided to start meeting again as a church. What was your background? Before that? Yeah, how did you know you were supposed to call? Was you called to be a pastor yeah, or a preacher? Yeah, well, I knew I was. I had been a deacon and a missionary and done a bunch of ministry oh, okay. stuff. And I always knew somewhere deep down I was going to be a pastor of a church. And I didn't like it and I didn't want to do it. It's, you know, more people are afraid of public speaking than death. And to stand up in front of a room full of people yeah. and talk is the most terrifying thing you can do. Um, I would rather do that than get on the roof of a house because I'm definitely afraid of heights. But uh, never wanted to do it. Always knew that's where I was headed. And then the opportunity was presented to me, you know, by God in the same kind mm-hmm. of way, this like light bulb moment where we're gathering with a small group of people. There was another guy leading the group initially. His name was Charles Looney. Um, and he got a job and moved away. And we're all looking around, you know, this is Charles' last Sunday here. We were still meeting at the foundry. Um, I said, well, who's going to preach next week? I'll do it. <laughs> you Because know? I'd preached and done a bunch of things before. And, uh, and then before I knew it, I was just the pastor of this church. And uh, so this is the only, only church I've ever been the pastor of. But I can't imagine doing it anywhere else in, in any other way. You know, the way we, we do things, everybody says their church is different. Our church is different than a lot of churches in a lot of ways. But uh, starting this thing from ground zero, instead of taking over a church and finding a bunch of things I didn't like and trying to change it over the course of 40 years so I didn't make somebody mad, stuff like that, mm-hmm. we got to make all those decisions. You know, we decided where we were going to meet and where we were going to meet it at 10 o'clock or 10.30 or were we going to, you know, Am I going to be the shouting preacher or am I, you know, well, all these different things that you get to sort out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, in accordance with what God, you know, wanted us to do. Um, but it's been a pretty cool journey. So we've been at it for two and a half years now. I remember seeing you coming in on the scenes on social media. I was happy for you. I didn't even know you. Yeah. I think this guy's going to be all right. right? Man, we just, you know, we try to be faithful. And it's it's a small, you know, you're you're in our church right now, and it's uh, I think we're 300 square feet in here. Well, I'm an advocate for new churches. Yeah, and a lot of people was against it because you got so many churches. Man, but do you not know that God made every single human being different? Yeah, everybody's got different personalities, and and I, I think you can put them in probably about 12 categories. This yeah. is my theory because of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. I kind of believe that they all got different characters and different things that God wants them to do and different ministries and different actions and different things. And, uh, you know, you know what the first church split in the Bible was? This was a trick question. Yeah. It's not a a trick question. (laughs) This was uh, a lot of people don't know. There was a church. Paul and uh, Silas, right? Before that, I believe. Okay. Testament. Oh, yeah. Abraham and Lot. That's fair. Yeah. And it wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody looks at a church split as a bad thing. Right. Or somebody branching off to another church is not a bad thing. This, we're too big for this area. Y'all yeah. Go move somewhere else and minister. Well, that's what we've decided as, you know, there's 25 or 30 <laughs> of us on a really busy Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we've decided that once we get to 150 people, like that's, enough Mm -hmm. and when we get to that mark we're making plans to start another church and by the time we get to 250 of y'all are going to leave and go start this new church wherever it is you know somewhere in the community or you know something like that well if god tells you you gotta wait to a thousand well then we'll wait till a thousand (laughs) (laughs) but it just you know and, and you talked about people going well hey we got enough churches i had this conversation when we were going hey we're gonna officially do this church it's gonna become a thing and somebody says to me, don't we have enough churches in, in Rome and Floyd County? And I said, well, what church do you go to? And I knew the answer. None. And he said, I don't go to church. I said, okay, maybe if we start one more, it'll be the place for you. You know, and, and we've had, we got people here that have, you know, had bad experiences at other churches and people that were looking for a new start and, you know, liked what we were doing and, we're 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 super old school, you know. We we sing psalms and we recite a lot of prayers and things like that. And it's not like, you know, we don't have a fog machine and we don't have lights and no a video machine? screen. You I want know, me to get you one? It's tough for the Holy Spirit to move. Machine. Do you have a bubble machine? Yeah. 
I think that's can we find that in scripture, the bubble machine? It's I know it helps the helps the spirit move if you have some special effects. Something about the blast. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pull up something here. Do you know I'm very bad at, at quoting scripture. Um, the only scripture I can remember is the ones that God literally writes on my mind. I yeah, cannot yeah. sit and make myself memorize. Well, so I know a ton of it, but I have a hard time saying that's Matthew three fourteen. You know, or, or Romans whatever. eight twenty nine. You familiar with that? Uh, one? Vaguely. Which one is on Romans eight twenty? I'm the same it way. It's the one right after um, all things work together for the, for the good, good of those, those who love, love God. Yeah the ones who love God, he predestined to be conformed to his image. Yeah. Those he called, predestined. Mm-hmm. For those he called, he predestined to. It's the golden chain of salvation, we call it. Yeah. Sanctified, purified, glorified. Glorified, yeah. Then he, said, he told them, you will be the first born among many brethren. Mm. certain people that you're going to reach that nobody else is going to reach. Yeah. People that I'm going to reach that nobody else is going to reach. That's why it's okay for you to have your own ministry. Yeah. Rocky. Got your name? Producer? Hey. Hey. <laughs> There's, we have different character. Yeah. There's just certain people that's just not going to listen to me. Yeah. Just not. Yeah. Well, that's what people ask my wife all the time. My wife's got a bunch of tattoos. <clears throat> yeah, I know, right? You, you, what do you know about that? It's, <laughs> it's uh, if people, oh, y'all have tattoos. How are you ever going to be a witness? Well, are you serious? Like, are you, you looked around at other people that have so many tattoos and might not listen to somebody else share the gospel? Or, you know, it's in the roads that you've been down and, and you relay that to somebody and say, hey, man, I've been down the same roads that you have. And they go, okay, cool. I'll listen to this guy while I might not listen to somebody wearing a suit and tie mm-hmm. or the suit and tie guy might not listen to you, you know? And it's like you said, it's, there's something for everybody, different mm-hmm. styles of worship and, you know, and all those things. And the more having more churches can't be a bad thing. No, I tell people it's okay to leave a church. Just don't leave mad. Yeah. No, there, there are absolutely reasons to leave a church and mad ain't one of them. <laughs> Make sure your heart's clean. Yeah. Make sure you don't have a resentment, bitterness, yeah. unless you're being abused. Right, right. They no, are. they're they're good reasons. Yeah, but don't leave mad. No, it's okay. Leave mad. I've seen it happen to old old timers when I first come on the scene. I was like, I'm not very smart at this, but I don't think that's right. Yeah. No, there's been a few times I got mad more to go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, uh, I remember being in... The older I get, the worse it gets. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're changing the music, man. Well, it's time to get new carpet. <laughs> Lord forbid, you know, we change the color of the carpet or the start time. Yeah, we're going to move from 11 o'clock to 1030. Or, oh, man. You know, we, we say two things in church. We either say, well, we've always done it this way or we've never done it that way before, right? And both of those are reasons to not ever change anything. But uh, I don't know. If you don't want to change, I guess you can start a new church, right? It's easy. I did it. It's not It's not yeah. easy. It's okay. not easy. <laughs> Man, I thought that, and my people are great, right? They're fantastic. But they're still people, and we have people issues. And I thought, well, we'll start with this little church, and it'll be my first time as a, a lead pastor, and it'll be easy. It's not. It ain't. People's, you know, parents still get sick and die, and people are still, you know, dealing with their issues and they're worried about their money or their job or the inflation and the country's in bad shape and pastor, what are we going to do? Oh man, I don't know. Let's open the book and see what it says. That's where I get all the answers. Yeah. Or I wing it and just make it up as I go. And let <laughs> I, him bail I'll me try out to later. avoid that. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it works sometimes. Lord, get me out of this. Yeah. God, and he does, man. But I got to feel like, I don't know. We we try to test him, don't we? See how far we can get away before he reins us back in. Yeah, in 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 all kind of ways. With the sin part, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not as much. So much. Right. Right. Getting older, and I'm not willing to pay the consequences anymore. Well, a lot of that stuff hurts more, you know, than it used to. Physically, even you know, you start thinking about a night of drinking. Like, what what's that? What's that going to cost me tomorrow? You know, it was fun 20, 25 years ago 
okay, that was cool. I bounce out of bed and go to work the next morning. Mm-hmm. I think if I went out and, and really tied one on, I'd be out of commission for three or four days. And that's the other thing I know that <laughs> I'm not smart enough for this deal because I was the guy who could not control alcohol. I couldn't mm-hmm. go drink one night. I couldn't yeah. go drink just one or t- two. Right. I just couldn't do it. Every time I drank, I broke out in mm. handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to alcohol. It does something different in my body. And I tell people all the time, if you want to drink, that's fine. That's okay. I'm not condemning you, but yeah, uh, I don't do it. If you've ever seen the movie Gremlins, a lot of younger people's never seen that movie, but I take these little things and they're cool until you pour water on them. Yeah. And then they just freaking go they crazy. Multiply. And yeah. That's what happens to me when you put alcohol inside. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the other reason I have to turn my wheel over to God every single day is because if I drink one drink, something very bad's going to happen in mm. my life. Yeah. And I don't stop. If you give me a drink, you come up and you give me drugs, I'm going to do those, and then I'm going to drive somewhere because yeah. my ego just super inflates, and I think I'm just the greatest person on earth, yeah. and and it don't stop. And well, then the the voice kicks in, we've done it now. Yeah. Might as well keep going. Right. And I've experienced that, and that scares me to death to think that God would ever keep me, you know, allow me to drink again. I mean, yeah. he'll allow me today if I want to. You know, right. Go ahead, but please take over my mind. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think Deliver it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but that's part of why it was – we could have kept meeting at the foundry because it, it didn't cost us anything to meet there. Right. Um, that's why we were meeting there originally. But it was a big deal – for me to get us out of there because I knew there were people that wouldn't come to our church as long as we were meeting there because alcohol was a problem for them. And if you can walk into a room where you're literally surrounded by, you know, wine racks and and beer coolers Mm -hmm. and all these things, like we were going to make it tough on you. And I didn't want to make it tough for somebody to come to church. Yeah. I got a a theory about that too, but some people may be all right. Some it ain't. Yeah. I got there's a story in the book where I, I, I when I first got out of prison I lived with an alcoholic and a drug addict for oh, wow. six months. That's exactly <laughs> where you need to be right out of prison, right? Then I moved in this Christian trailer park mm. where everybody was selling drugs and oh man. So it's uh, another couple of exciting stories in, in the book. We gotta, we gotta uh, read this book, Tango. You already ordered this one. Uh, I'm gonna order one. Well, okay. most, <laughs> most, most people, if you're an avid reader, you're gonna sit and read it in a day easily. Yeah. It's an easy read. If you're a normal reader, three days. If you don't read it all, you're going to read it in a week. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it because it's me, and I'm not really just trying to push this book, but. Somebody needs it. And it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I didn't do good in English in school. I promise you. Well, that's all right. <laughs> Who did you get to, to publish it for you? Um, for, uh, Rachel. Rachel Pacquiao. Okay. okay. I didn't know she Lazarus did that kind of tribe. thing. Lazarus Tribe. Okay, I've, yeah. I've heard of Lazarus Tribe. I didn't yeah. realize she did publishing that through that. Yeah, she did that for quite a few years. She's still doing it Yeah, uh, on a part-time basis. Right. But yeah. Yeah, she, uh, she did it and that's did some, it well. That's yeah. something I've got to do. You know, I, I've, I've got to write a book one day. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's one of those things I've known, like I've always known how to be a pastor. i got to write a book. I like writing, but it's one of those things you feel like it's going to take you a year and a half to sit down and write this book, mm-hmm. even though you already know all the stuff you're going to put in it. Well, I challenge people, if you if you want to write your story, I don't care who you are, write the story. Yeah. Because the devil is trying to steal <clears throat> all the things that God has done for you. Mm-hmm. If it ain't nothing but a journal or a log, or I can't tell you how many times I had to go back through my journals and go, oh, yeah. He said this right here, and the devil's tried to <clears throat> make out like he didn't say it and like it ain't going to come true. Right. There's been times where, and, and I've always heard, if you want what somebody else has got, you do what they did. 100%. That's you, fail-safe, right? You want to learn how to be a mechanic, you go to mechanic school. If yeah. you want to learn about finances, you go to finance school. If you want to be healed from alcoholism, you go to AA meetings. Yeah. You want to. You go help somebody else with the same problem you got. And there's been several instances where God said, 
you want out of debt, you go pay so and so's debt off. Mm. And my debt was paid. Yeah. And I got that stories in the book because I'll get, you know, seven thirty eight, we've been here for over an hour. Yeah, yeah. We'll probably wrap it up pretty soon. But uh man, I'm glad we got you on. Glad to be here. And we'll do it again sometime when you write that next book. We'll come on and talk about it. Oh, and I meant to say oh, yeah, so write down your story. Mm. If it ain't but thirty minutes a day. Yeah. Ten minutes a day. Ten minutes every other day. Little pieces of all can be put together later on. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. There Baby you steps, as Dave Ramsey would say. Uh, Dave Ramsey is <laughs> one of my heroes, man. He has saved me a lot of heartache in life. I got a story about Dave Ramsey in the book. There you go. Man, yeah. I got to buy this book. Got to get it. But thank you for coming on, man. We'll have I appreciate you on again it, sometime. Man. It's awesome. All right. Glad to hang out. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.